He's been in and out of SaaS companies many, many times. Most recently hooked up with Vista and jumped in one of their portfolio companies uh, that basically helps really with automating uh, a lot of content creation, right? Uh, whether it's sales scripts going out or helping the AP write posts all based on data. So significant time or time costs, right? On humans that used to write these things themselves. Automated Insights is the company. Now at several hundred customers, 65 people between Durham, New York, Seattle, many other locations, less than 9% gross logo churn annually. It's not unrealistic to see their customers doubling their ACVs year over year, which is great. LTV definitely north of 250 grand. Again, average contract value first year, about 24 grand with triple digit year over year growth. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mark Zions. He's had a successful career leading companies since 1987 and is currently the CEO of Automated Insights, a Vista Equity Partners owned company. He's an independent board director for Pivot3 and many other companies along with Friends of the Earth. Besides enjoying time with family, he is an avid outdoorsman and accomplished bicycle racer. Mark, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right. Thank you for having me. You bet. Give us the story here. So let's start from the beginning and go from there. What does Automated Insights do and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Yeah, so Automated Insights is a leader in natural language generation or NLG. And essentially what NLG is, is that we take structured data as an input, and we can create from that data a story or a narrative or a report that sounds like it was written by a person, but we do that through software. The business model for this is, is it is a subscription service. So it's a enterprise SaaS software subscription in which our users with a basic subscription can create an unlimited number of use cases, have an unlimited number of users, and then they're picking how much production they want per month. Basically, how many outputs? If you want 500 stories, 5,000, we have customers that do over 20 million a month. Is it based so, on stories or, or the word count per story? Not word count. It's based actually on a, technically on an API hit, which equates to each output. But we really don't care if that outputs a sentence, a paragraph, or three pages. It's what, all de- the same. what determines the what? It, oh, it's all the same in terms of cost structure and, and output for yeah, you? Yeah, it is. It's just a matter of how many outputs you create, but the length of the output doesn't matter. Okay, so a paragraph is going to be one API call, and so is a single word. That's correct. Okay, so if someone writes a bit, you know, you know, I'm making this up, a ten paragraph long piece of uh, piece of work via your tool, they're going to pay the same as someone that types one or you generates one word. Yeah, yeah, nobody's going to generate one word, but that's the point. A sentence is the same as ten pages. For most people, the kind of output that we create is anywhere from a couple sentences to a paragraph. And at the most, typically it's going to be a couple pages because that might be some sort of a report. I see. Okay. And um, when, when you said you use the word enterprise, so I mean, give me a general sense here. Are people are paying what, 10 grand a month, hundred grand a month, or are you higher than that even? No, a basic subscription. So we have an annual, you know, minimum of an annual contract. So our most basic subscription is about $24,000 okay. a year. 
So usually there's a very powerful return on investment here because if you compare it to the hours of a full-time equivalent, this is going to save money and it's going to allow people to work on more valuable things. Yep. Yep. And would you say that 24 grand is also, I know that's your minimum, but is it also a fair average or no? No, the average is actually you know higher you okay. know, just based on the blend of customers. And then we have a slightly different business model when we're, because when we work with business intelligence, our product also integrates with leading BI solutions like Tableau, Click, MicroStrategy, Tipco, Spotfire, Power BI. And there we, we basically look like a per viewer kind of model that matches the subscription that they charge for their services. Yep. Are most of the folks that you're working with, are they actually, uh, you know, um, uh, your traditional media companies or no? Uh, that's a small portion. It's very visible, however. So the work that we do with you know people like the Associated Press is very visible or the cool stuff that we do in the game Call of Duty or that we do with Yahoo NFL, that's very outward facing. So people see that. But the vast majority of our customers are business to business where we're inside dashboards. We're working in e-commerce. We're doing reporting for businesses. Mark, give me the, the unsexiest use case of automated insights. Well, I mean, if you just think about, I mean, you know, for all of it, it's, you know, it all relates to the same thing. And, and, and that's our vision statement. And that is to make the world's data understandable. So our general belief is that we, we live in a world where our problem isn't that we don't have enough data. Our problem is the exact opposite. We have too much data and we're just trying to make sense of it. And we just want to be able to get to what does it mean to me? And how do I make that? So, so tell me a real customer, though, like, like a, a, who many people would define as a very unsexy space, but where you provide a lot of value. Oh, uh, weekly sales reports. So we have a large insurance company. They have about 15,000 people between their direct and independent agents. And once a week, they want them to get a report based on their role, whether you're an agent, an agency or in the sales management of the company. They want a weekly report that says how they're doing, how they're trending and giving them some advice weekly on how they can improve their performance. So that's 15,000 reports a week times 52 weeks a year. And, you know, that's certainly not as fun as fantasy football, but it also is really great for helping them run their business in a more efficient manner. When did you launch this company? This company started just about 10 years ago. I am not the founder, just to be clear. I, I, am, uh, I took over from the founder just over a year ago. Our founder is our, is our executive chairman. Um, and he's a technical founder. So I came in through the private equity owner to scale up the business and, and continue to grow it to the next level. So when, I think it was Vista Equity, right? When did that deal happen? That happened just over two years ago uh, that they acquired the company. So we were backed by venture investors originally. How much was uh, in the company pre, pre the deal? Oh, I, I actually don't have the, the stats on that, but you know, on the, the, pre, the pre-deal, but we were... Um, Purchased uh, in um, just over two years ago by Vista. Uh, I came in through the Vista side of things to run Automated Insights. Uh, I've been running companies since 1987. So, uh, and 100% of what I've done my whole life is technology. Uh, and just uh, you know, and I, and I just love the technology that we have. Great team, great set of customers. So. It's a it's a very exciting time for our company. How did that work? I mean, did you? most private equity firms are people in-house always looking for deals. And sometimes when that person kind of leads the deal internally, they end up actually running the company post deal. Was that the case with you at Vista or no? Like how did, how did Vista say, Oh, we got to get Mark on this company. Yeah. So um, I knew a number of the Vista CEOs and Vista people 
So you're right that sometimes that happens where an operating partner looks at the deal and they take over. In this case, uh, I was a known entity to Vista and I was I was very, very interested in working with Vista because they're quite unique. And that uniqueness is, is that they exclusively invest in enterprise SaaS companies. So when you think of private equity, there's some niche firms that are very vertically focused, but they tend to be smaller. Vista is very large, but vertically focused on software businesses. You know, you see other you know, companies in their size, they may invest all over the place. They don't necessarily have an expertise in the industry. So I think the Vista model is quite unique. I think it brings a lot of advantage to our customers. I also think it, it, it's very attractive for our team because it provides them with a tremendous amount of development and how to operate a business with best practices. Okay, so 2008 was founded. You joined about a year. Uh, Vista bought them call in 2016. You joined in 2017, uh, obviously via Vista. The founder, original founder, is still, I think you said chairman, so still involved to some degree. Um, I think we understand the products nicely. Uh, what have you guys scaled to in terms of total customers? Um, I don't have a total customer count, but it is uh, several hundred customers okay. that are that are active. Um, and what's really interesting is that our sales team is in the U.S., so we're based in Durham, North Carolina. We now have people on the East Coast, on the West Coast. We're expanding the team outside. We don't have anybody outside the U.S., but we actually have customers now in 40 countries that are creating their use cases in over 25 languages. So that's something else. You can create this, this output in English or Mandarin or French, whatever you want. So our reach is quite large for the size. And what's also really interesting is that we have Fortune 100 customers and we have customers that have 10 people that are just growing their entire business using technology and leveraging technology so that they can punch way above their weight. Yeah. So it's yeah. really fascinating to work with that range of customer sets. Well, yeah, and it's certainly not at a $24,000 minimum ACV on year one. I mean, obviously it's not an SMB play, but yeah, you could still be stay pretty scrappy with that budget and really save a lot of times. You know, you think about it, the CEO is usually the one writing that sales report on a small team every week. If they can automate that, it saves them a lot of time. Right, and we're not unlike some of our customers in that, you know, one of our core beliefs is automate everything. So, you know, anything that can be automated should be automated. So your people are doing the most valuable things they can be doing. What, what is your team size today? So we are 65 people today. When I joined a year ago, it was about 40. Uh, and we anticipate being close to about 100 by the end of the year. Okay, that's great. And just refresh me again. You said Raleigh, Durham, and where else? So, uh, so Durham is the headquarters. We have people in the Northeast, in New York, in, in Boston. We have folks in Seattle in uh, Oregon, and uh, soon we'll have people in the Midwest and in the Southwest. Okay, so fairly, fairly remote then, fairly spread out. Right, those are just senior account execs. They're working larger enterprise deals. I see, got the it. The entire development team is based in North Carolina, where we are very fortunate to be able to draw great talent out of North Carolina State, UNC, Duke, and we're just surrounded by awesome schools. Did you grow up there or did you move there post-acquisition? I moved here post-acquisition um, after living in Chicago for 30 years. Okay. Um, but was excited to move. Uh, as, uh, once our kids all exited the house, my wife and I were excited to move somewhere else. That's good. All right, let's jump in real quick to some other economics before we wrap up. So churn is obviously critical in a SaaS business. Tell me about your churn. Yeah, the churn is really nominal. Uh, I mean, you know, for us, it's, it's either you're going to know real upfront if it's working or it doesn't. Our customers kind of think through the process. So in, in you know, the vast majority uh, of the time, 
they just go with an initial subscription, one year or multi-year. Um, in some cases, a customer, if they need to do some A-B testing or they need to do some thorough testing, they might do a shorter pay trial and then they and then they buy in. But I mean, I would say our churn is very, very low single digits at this at this point. OK. And is that you're talking like one or two percent gross logo churn yeah. per month? That, that's well, actually, it's it's in the single digits per year. OK, got it. So, yeah, cool. So we'll call it maybe four or five, somewhere between one and nine percent in gross. But I'm right. talking that's gross logo churn, not revenue churn. That's correct. And, okay. and by the way, in fact, what normally happens is the exact opposite. Once somebody has us in on one use case, they actually grow yeah. because they say, oh, I'm doing this report. I can use it for that report. Oh, I'm using it for, for internal reporting just with some data set. Gee, I can put this into my Tableau. What is average expansion from year one to year two? Would you, do, you, do you typically see? Yeah. So, so what we typically see is that there's some kind of initial learning curve introduction of the first use case. But then it's not unusual that you'll see them go up 10x between year one and year two. So from a $20,000 plan up to a $200,000 year plan. So maybe volume going up, but our pricing doesn't go up uh, in a linear fashion. So your volume goes up exponentially and your pricing goes up less. So well, that's, that, that's, a good, that's a good value play. But I mean, if we were to quantify that, are you talking like 120% retention, revenue retention per account or 160, 70? Oh, no. I mean, it's not unusual that somebody will double revenue you know, from year okay. one to yeah. That's, that's pretty healthy. Um, yeah. and then, and then tell me more, you, I don't know if you focus more or less on this now that obviously you're, 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 you're under Vista, but what do you like to keep payback period under when you're, when you are spending money to acquire these customers? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for us, it's, it's a very rapid payback. We're very fortunate that, um, in terms of kind of the way we get our customers, we get a tremendous amount of inbound inquiries that happens to relate to a lot of the public facing services that we provide. We get attribution. So people are constantly reaching out to us. So th- so from that perspective, we uh, we get a lot of inbound. We also have a pretty uh, well thought out digital outbound marketing machine. So I think our, our payback is, is very rapid on those expenses. You're talking like less than six months? Oh, much less, much less. Yeah, that's right. Our most expensive kind of uh, customer acquisitions re- re- revolve around a number of uh, marketing events. We, we partner with all the BI companies at their customer shows. Yep. We also do a lot with Gartner. Mark, just um, to be clear, though, though when you say much less than six months, I'm talking like fully weighted, including, you know, dividing the salaries of your salespeople, commission structure, plus all your direct paid spend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's less than six months. Okay. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And then what do you assume, I mean, this is a tough, tough question, but you're the guy to ask because you've done this many times. When you put your finger up in the wind, what do you assume these customers are worth to you in terms of lifetime value, a minimum at least? Yeah, so, I mean, our view with these customers are that, uh, I mean, you know, we don't necessarily see them tapering off after some, you know, certain, certain amount of time. Uh, our customers are continually moving up in the length of contract. So, so Mark, you can argue have, infinity though, right? So what prevents you from, from no, 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 arguing but, infinity? But we have customers now that, that they started off with a one year and now they're signing five years or they're signing five years with two year extensions. So I think it's very fair to think that these are at least five year engagements with customers and the, the, you know, kind of our average revenue, you know, you know, the, the minimal of 24,000 a year, it is significantly higher than that. So if you, if you go even a few times that times five, you can get a lifetime value of a customer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's easily north of a quarter of a million. You probably have many exactly. customers and, and many, many millions they've already paid you. 
That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, very good. And um, uh, let me see here. So uh, last question, I'm curious about this. When a firm like Vista, right, a private equity firm buys like a, a traditional SaaS company, um, I, I, you've done this before. I imagine you, you kind of know a few things you want to do. I mean, what was the first, what was the biggest opportunity you saw to, in terms of what you wanted to implement at the company right after the acquisition? Yeah. So what I think uh, automated insights, if you say, what were we most recognized for? It would have been our product and our innovation. So the first thing I want to do is not change that because that's really important to our culture. It's really important to our customers and our differentiation. We were less known for being commercially focused. So my focus was on the sales and the marketing and the channel partners that would give us the leverage to grow and expand the business. So it was really to try to equal weight the business side of the business, if you will, along with the product and technology and innovation side of the business. So that was my goal is to take what Robbie started and improve upon that not to reverse anything per se, but to add on those elements that would allow the business to grow and scale. And now today, what are you growing at year over year? Uh, we are triple digits growth in terms of percentage. Uh, we see that for the foreseeable future. I was going to say, that's pretty good because I assume you guys have some scale. I think this acquisition was two years ago and it was, I think, something like 80 million. And if you just said you have 300 or a couple hundred customers at minimum yeah, 24,000 ACVs, I mean, you're north of, I mean, you're, well, you're way north, your minimum, your potential minimum is 600 grand a month, but you're way north of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the business is growing very significantly. And, and um, would you say uh, there's more? F- well, actually, let me, let me save that question for a different time. Last question here before we wrap up. Um, three metrics you're focused on like today. Your mo- the most important ones you're focused on are what? New customer acquisition slash, you know, the, the, uh, the ACV, TCV for those customer sets. Uh, the product roadmap uh, that we're continuing to execute upon that gives us the differentiation. And then final is the leverage that we're getting with, with BI and, and SI partners. Okay. Get, okay. So the first one was a, was a, was a true like economic term. Give me like two other economic terms. Like are you focused on driving expansion revenue at a certain percentage or some other component? Yeah. So it was certainly the, you know, the, the bookings, which then would relate to the revenue. Uh, it was what portion of that revenue was moving through channel and then, and then the other, you know, kind of KPI numeric would be the uh, productivity of the sales organization. How do you measure As, that? Oh, I mean, you know, how long it takes for them to reach quota, essentially. You know, it's a training, it's a development. So you just want to make sure that your sales productivity is in line with your expectations as you're adding people. All right, Mark, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, great question. Favorite book would be... Oh, I'll just go back to a classic, Sun Tzu. That's a good one. Art of War, number two. Is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, you know, I, I really you know, try to read about, you know, about uh, all, all CEOs out there. Uh, I certainly, I think I admire you know, everything that Apple has done in terms of innovation. I think it's been remarkable to watch the transformation that's gone on between Jobs and Cook. So I, I like to follow that in particular. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Boy, I mean, my, my whole, you know, everything is, everything's on my, you know, I, I have so many tools. That's a really hard question, but uh, I would say certainly for, for me, you know, watching Salesforce all the time because we build in a lot of things into Salesforce. So you know, our Marketo comes into there, all of our campaigns come into there. So I can get a pretty good dashboard view right from there. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? 
Not a big sleeper, six. Okay, and what's your situation? I know you mentioned married and kids. So, so married and how many kids? Uh, married 28 years, four adult kids, that, uh, that I, that, that, and we all like each other. That's a good thing, Mark. And how old are you? 56. All right, last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, I probably would have switched sports earlier. I'm a, I'm a competitive bike racer, but I didn't switch over until my mid-30s. I was a runner. I probably would have gotten into my biking earlier. So that's a non-business thing, but I probably would have started bike racing a little bit earlier. Switch to biking earlier. There you guys have it from Mark. He's been in and out of SaaS companies many, many times. Most recently hooked up with Vista and jumped in one of their portfolio companies uh, that basically helps really with automating uh, a lot of content creation, right? Uh, whether it's sales scripts going out or helping the AP write posts all based on data. So significant time or time costs, right? On humans that used to write these things themselves. Automated Insights is the company. Now at several hundred customers, 65 people between Durham, New York, Seattle, many other locations, less than 9% gross logo churn annually. It's not unrealistic to see their customers doubling their ACVs year over year, which is great. LTV definitely north of 250 grand. Again, average contract value first year, about 24 grand with triple digit year over year growth. Mark, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you. Thanks for having us on.